Thank you so much for checking out our podcast. We hope today's message encourages, inspires, and empowers you to follow after Jesus like never before. Before we get into today's teaching, I want to invite you to join us live at one of our services at any of our three campuses in West Virginia, or join us as we stream live online. For more information or to save your seat at one of our services, visit our website, iheartchurch.online. Now let's check out today's message. So how many of you love like family vacations, right? You like to take a family vacation. How many of you took one this summer? Okay, we had an awesome experience this summer where we got to take the vacation of a lifetime. It was amazing. We had some extended time off for our first ever sabbatical. And so we were really praying for months as to where we would go with our kids. You know, my oldest daughter, um, she turned 15, and so she's going to be a junior next year. So really, we just have a couple of years left. And so we wanted to go somewhere special. And, you know, my mom and dad used to have timeshares in Hawaii. And so I had been once with my mom to Maui. I wanted to go somewhere that I had already experienced. You know, when you have four kids, you don't go into new terrain with four kids. Come on, somebody. Like, you got to be like the, the scouts and spy out the land ahead of time or there's disaster, right? So I thought, you know, I've already been to this island, but it's really expensive. The flights are crazy. And so I, I looked at our sky miles and actually, you know, the past eight years from traveling back and forth to Louisiana on our mission trips, we have had a lot of sky miles that we had collected. So we have been praying for months about where to go. God, we want to be where you want us to be on the sabbatical. I don't want to force the door open or make something happen. And so this is like four weeks before our sabbatical and it's right in the middle of summer and we still had no clue where we were going. It's peak season. I didn't want to go anywhere really hot. I didn't want to go anywhere really crowded. And so one day I'm praying this and I'm like, God, you just show us where to go. And I had looked once about three months before at the flights to Hawaii. And so there's six of us, y'all, okay? And so at the flights to Hawaii and they were just astronomical, just really high. Um, but I prayed that prayer and I just happened to click on the Delta app and just see. And for whatever random reason, they dropped so low that we we were able to get tickets like all to Hawaii. Isn't that amazing, right? Yeah, y'all be happy for me, okay? Like if you got, some of y'all are like casting shade at me now. Rejoice with those who rejoice, okay? So I'm th the, the crazy thing is, so we booked these tickets with our Sky Miles, got them next to nothing, and then like three hours later, I look back and that price had jacked back up. It's like God just held them for us. And then we found a condo that included the rental car. It was just a beautiful, sweet deal. I could see that God was just laying at the path for us. I didn't tell anybody because I knew they said the pastor's going to Maui with the church money. I didn't even post anything, right? I didn't even tell anybody. They were asking where we're going. I'm like, we're just going to some family time. You know, like I didn't want to tell anybody. And so anyway, so we decide we're going to Hawaii. We're super excited. We drive down to Louisiana to see my mom first and spend some time with family. And we flew out of New Orleans because it was even cheaper. So we decide we're going to fly out of New Orleans. And so we are pumped up. It's Maui. Okay. And so we told some of our friends in 10 months, we're probably going to end up with a baby boy. It'll be named Maui, you know. Um, so so we were excited about this, and um, so the morning came. The anticipation was high. Everything was already paid for. We've been saving, saving up, and so we were going to leave at four o'clock in the morning for, uh, from my mom's house, driving to the New Orleans airport. It's about a forty-five minute drive. So we had all of our stuff. You know, it's a lot of luggage for six people, y'all. Like, it's a lot. So have our car seat, and we decide that we're going to get up at four o'clock in the morning. So we're real tired, but we're excited, and it was super rainy that day, like thunderstorm rainy. So we wake up, we get all the kids in the car. We start driving to the airport, and when I tell you, it's like boom, boom like thundering. And we had found out that, um, that a hurricane was actually unseasonably coming to New Orleans a couple of days from then. I wasn't really worried about it because I was like, you know, super selfish, like, that's okay, peace, y'all, peace, New Orleans, I'm out of here, you know. And so we had heard, though, that a hurricane was coming, that there was potential for it to breach levees again, it, was, it might be flooding. So we're like, we got to get out of here so we, can got, so we can go to Maui. So we're going to the airport, I'm watching my phone to see if there's any cancellations. No cancellations. We're still good. No delays. So we get through the airport. We check all of our stuff in. We get on the airplane and we sit and we wait and we wait and we wait. We haven't taken off. It's 30 minutes later and we wait and we hear the announcer saying, um, excuse me, everyone. Sorry for the delay, but uh, there are uh, tornadoes on the jetway. We are not able to move. You cannot get off. We cannot deplane. It's not safe to deplane. Um, so we're just going to have to wait this out. So we're like, oh, wow. You know, it's kind of a little freaky. So the kids were all hyper. And then you know, the longer the time clock goes, the worse these kids start to act, you know. So they're tired. Um, so we wait and we wait and we wait. And as the time gets closer and closer, I realize, you know, our connecting flight 
from Dallas to Maui is slowly getting closer and closer to that time. If this delays that much longer, we're going to miss that connecting. So we look on the thing and like, there's no other flights out of Dallas to Maui. If we miss this connection, we lose a whole night in Maui, y'all. It was bad. So I start getting panicky. It's, we start two hours. We said on that jet, we missed our flight. I have to admit, I cried. Okay. I know I'm a sissy, but I cried. I was like, God, you know, this is disappointing. We paid all that money and that whole night's down the drain. I was just disappointed. So we actually had to get off the plane after sitting on there for two hours with the kids. We had to get off. So we're like, well, what are we going to do? If we go to Dallas, if we connect to Dallas tonight, then we have to pay for a hotel. It's even more money expense. So we have to pay for a hotel. But if we stay in New Orleans, we could get caught in this hurricane and be gone even more, you know, lose even more of the trip. So we decided we were going to go to just go ahead and get in, 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 on the plane to Dallas and we're going to spend the night in Dallas. So are y'all still tracking me? Is this okay? I'm going to share my life with you. Okay. It's not as, I, I'm so I, like, this is a pitiful story after Maria's. Like I feel guilty to even share this story. <laughs> Suffering for Jesus in Hawaii, you know? So, so we get, we get to the Dallas airport and it's thunderstorming and there are, you know, it's thundering and rain. Now we're all dressed really warm because I get cold on a plane. So I told my kids, you know, make sure you have socks, make sure you dress warm. Um, but it is not cold in, in Dallas. It's 103 this day, this particular day in July. And so we get there, we have to get to a hotel. So we find a room, we get to a hotel, they lost our luggage. We need our luggage. We need our car seat. Um, there's six of us plus all our luggage. So Uber is out the question. It would cost us $1,235,000 to Uber to the hotel. So we were going to wait on the shuttle. So the shuttle, the only problem is it took an hour for the shuttle to get us. So we're outside in 103 degrees. These are pictures of my kids. Go ahead. This, fall, they're on asleep. Yeah, go ahead to the next one. Yep. I mean, literally, next one, asleep on the concrete outside of the Dallas airport. I mean, they were done. So finally, we get to the hotel. We stay the night. Thunderstorms are everywhere. We have a, a new flight. We can't get to Maui, but they're going to connect us to Honolulu and then to Maui the next day. So the next morning, we pack everything back up. We go check into the Dallas airport. We connect in Honolulu. We go from Honolulu. We're getting to go into Maui, and I'm thinking, finally, we're going to get here. We lost a day, but the Lord's going to redeem it. I'm thinking, like, somebody's going to come in and give us, like, a week free in Maui, you know, like I think God's a redeemer. It's an enemy, you owe me sevenfold, you know, you have to pay back sevenfold. Um, that didn't happen, by the way. Um, so, so anyway, uh, so we're getting ready to land in Maui, and I'm not kidding. We're getting ready to land in Maui, and all of a sudden, the emergency alert service goes off on all of our phones in the, in the, in the plane. Beep! I'm like, what is this? Emergency alert, evacuation on the island. There's been a brush fire. So I'm going, hold up. <laughs> so I, I look at the, um, the flight attendant and I said, hey, um, this evacuation for bush fires, this our area, this is, she was like, well, no, like your hotel is actually on the other side of the island. The problem is I don't know how you're going to get there because the route to your hotel is on this evacuation path. I mean, it's, it's, eva it's being evacuated. So we land, so I'm like, great, you know, so we, so at this point, it's probably, you know, we've been traveling like 30 hours at this point already. And so, um, so we get, we land in the airport. As soon as we get our luggage off the thing, the power shuts down on, in the airport, everything just stops. Our cell phone signal, no one had cell phone signal at all. There was nothing. It was, they're all dead. Everything was dead on the island. And you could smell the smoke and you could see the smoke on the island. And so we heard the people next to us and they're like, what do you mean we have to go stay in a shelter? They paid for a condo. The condo was evacuated. So they're having to go spend their Maui vacation in a shelter. Come on, y'all. So I'm thinking, I'm trying to do the Christ-like thing. I'm like, hey, if you need a place to stay, you can stay with us. My kid's like, what are you doing, mother? <sighs> So, uh, so anyway, so we get in our rental car. We didn't have a map. We didn't have GPS. We had no clue how to get to this hotel. And so we couldn't call them because we have no signal. What we did have was a cartoon um, brochure of the island of Maui. And it has this cartoon not to scale map. And it's got city names on it, okay? And so I see, oh, well, that's the name. Here's us. And there's our hotel. This is the path we can't take because it's evacuated. This is a normal route. Um, but it's an island. I mean, eventually we'll get there if we just ride around the island, right? So I'm like, babe, there is another path. Like, how are we going to get there? Now, mind you, it's 2 a.m. our time. Okay, it's bright outside of Maui, but it's 2 a.m. our time. The kids ain't happy, right? So the three-year-old um, at 2 a.m. So I'm like, babe, how are we going to get there? Um, look, look, there's actually a little cartoon path that you can take to get there on this, this way. Um, and he was like, okay, I'm like, there's one problem. It's got like XXXX skull and crossbones enter at your own risk. 
but we're like, you know, we're from West Virginia. Like, we drive curvy mountain roads all the time. It'll be fine. You know, Brandon's a good driver. We're going to risk it. So in our minivan, uh, in our minivan, rented minivan, we go on this trek, this journey into the unknown with our children. We're exhausted at this point. Still no signal. We're hoping we can find the hotel if we get there. And we, talk, we start taking this path. Now, when I tell you these are um, one lane, they make our one lane mountain roads um, look like freeways, okay? Um, barely one lane, one car could fit on these one lanes, and they're actually two lanes, okay? And so they're like this, curvy, and the only thing is there's no guardrail, it's a complete drop-off, and the Pacific Ocean is down there, y'all. You want to see the road that we spent two hours on? Go ahead and show them. They call it the Death Highway. This is our road. Found out later they named it the Death Highway, Okay. Two hours on this road, I call it the butt clencher, like it was. <laughs> I was hyperventilating, praying in tongues, the whole thing, like it was two hours of this. The kids are tired, then all of a sudden the three-year-olds start saying, I need a bath, I need a bath, I need a bath. I'm like, baby, we're going to get you a bath, it's okay, we're going to get there eventually, I need a bath. <laughs> Y'all, there ain't nowhere to pull over. It's the Pacific Ocean down there. It's cliffside. So we're catching vomit in our hands, trying to save the rental minivan. The boys in the backseat going, uh, uh, I'm gonna throw up. The girl's like, oh my God, get me out of here. Get me out of here, get me out of here. I'm like, nobody else throw up. We finally find an area to pull over. The kids scatter like, you know, a co cockroaches when you turn a light on. I'm like, they're out the van. And I put my head between my knees and I'm like, God, what did I do wrong? So kids are arguing. We try to clean up this vomit. I tell the kids, we're going to get back. I don't want to get back in the car. Get it's 4 o'clock in the morning our time by this point. We have no idea how long we're going to be in the death highway from this point. So I turn around, and I'm so stressed, I'm so aggravated. Our paradise vacation is down the toilet. So I look at the kids, I said, now you listen to me. We are in Hawaii. No one is gonna throw up. No one is gonna complain. We are gonna get there and we are gonna have a blast. So we get back in the car, we go our merry way. And praise the Lord, we got there. I want to show you these two pictures of our kids when we got there. The rest was uneventful. Thank you, Jesus. Now show them the next one. This is the kids when they got out of the car. Woohoo! But you know, I said, these are what these movies like the National Family Vacation, you know, the Lampoon's Vacation, these are what they're made of. Like, this is the reason why anybody have an experience like this before. Do you know that there are stories in Scripture about people who've encountered this kind of trial? And I can't think of a better example than the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is who we, when we read that initial Scripture, the first Scripture of our conference was this, Acts 26, 16. This is actually to the Apostle Paul. It says, but rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things which you have seen of me and the things in which I will appear to you. God is talking to Paul and commissioning him. So you would think that if God is commissioning Paul, that everything would go smooth for Paul, right? But I want to talk to you tonight about standing in the storm. We'll talk to you about a, some storms that Paul went through that he probably would question, God, did I mishear you? Did I not hear you? Did I do the wrong thing? Am I being punished because I didn't hear you? Now listen to some of the crazy stuff that happened to Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 24. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. He's not talking about CBD or, you know, marijuana here. 
Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness. They called me um, Polly Danger. Danger at sea, danger from false brothers, and toil and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst without food and cold and exposure. And apart from the other things, there was the daily pressure on me and the anxiety from all the churches. God had commissioned him, but he went through some stuff. How many say that we ain't got it as bad as Paul, right? He had been through some stuff, and yet he learned how to stand through the storm. How many of you have ever been on a cruise? Speaking of vacation, anybody ever been on a cruise? Raise your hand if you've been on a Mediterranean cruise. All right. Okay, go Maria. I'm happy for you. How many of you have been on a Caribbean cruise? Raise your hand. How many of you ever been on a prison cruise? Okay. Paul was on a cruise, but it was a prison cruise. I'm going to talk to you about this prison cruise. Paul was arrested, commissioned by God, doing what God told him to do, and he gets rewarded by getting arrested. He's, he's going to stand trial before Caesar, and yet he's trained, that he's chained, they got to ship him to Rome, and with 276 others, prisoners, prisoner and guards, he is on this ship. This is a bad day, right? It's not the type of cruise that you want to take, this prison cruise, but it's about to get, go from bad to worse. I want you to listen to this crazy story that happens to Paul. Acts 27, can you go on this journey with me for just a minute? The weather was becoming more dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall. So Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. Men, he said, I believe there's trouble ahead if we go on. So Paul's an apostle. He's a prophet. He can tell there's something about to happen. We should not, we should dock. We shouldn't keep going, okay? So he's trying to listen, trying to be the voice of wisdom. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. Now, I have a, a flair for the dramatic, so can you go with me and let's read about this. It's a long passage, so I'm going to make it interesting. Go ahead and put on that sound effect. Oh, yeah. All right. Are you still with me? Can you still hear me? This is yes. Yes? All right. Ready? We're going to read a story. But the weather changed abruptly, and a wind of typhoon strength called the Nor'easter burst across the island, and it blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't, hey, by the way, I asked my five-star team to, sorry, pause this movie for a minute. I asked the five-star team if they could get me some, some sailors, like, yelling some crowd sounds. And so um, I said, yeah, sure. So right before church, I said, um, I said, hey, can I preview that sound? And they sent it to me, and I sent it back. I said, hey, guys, uh, we can't play that. And they're like, why? And they said, I said, you do realize they custom that, that sound effect. Unpause. Okay, we'll go back. Where was I at? The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. Verse 17, then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. They were afraid of being driven across the sandbars of Syrtis and the African coast, so they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship, and they were driven before the wind. The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and they threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun, the stars, until at last all hope was gone. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, men, you should have listened to me in the first place. Come on, somebody. You would have avoided all this damage and loss, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and I serve stood beside me and he said, don't be afraid, Paul. You will surely stand trial before Caesar. Well, that's comforting. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe in God and it will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. So about midnight, get this, on the 14th day of the storm. 14 days, the sun being blotted out. Can you imagine that seasickness? They didn't even have like, you know, what's that medicine called? They even have that, right? There's probably some puking going on in that car too, that minivan. As we were being driven across the sea, the sailors sensed that land was near. They dropped the weighted line and found the water was 120 feet deep. But a little later, they measured again and found it was only 90 feet deep. At this rate, they were afraid we would be soon driven across the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and they prayed for daylight. 
Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put anchors from the front of the ship. But Paul said to the commanding officers and soldiers, you will all die unless the sailors stay on board. So the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. I want you to remember that. Just as the day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You have been so worried you haven't touched food for two weeks they haven't even eaten. Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair of your heads will perish. Then he took some of the bread, he gave thanks to God before them all, and he broke it off a piece and he ate it. And everyone was encouraged, began to eat, all 276 of us who were on board. After eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. When morning dawned, they, rec they didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could get to shore by running the ship aground. So they cut off the anchors and left them in the sea. They lowered the rudders, raised the foresail, and headed towards shore. But they hit a shoal and ran the ship aground too soon. The bow of the ship struck fast while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart. Things are dire here. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape, but the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul so he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered that all could swim who could swim to the jump overboard first and make for land. The older the others held onto planks of debris from the broken ship so everyone escaped safely to shore. You can go ahead and stop it. How many of you, that's an ordeal? Can I just tell you though, remember, this was not Paul's fault. Paul was doing the right thing. And can I just tell you that not every storm is your fault? You know, I think it's funny that when I had my Hawaii experience, the first thing to go through my mind was when, when I, you know, this is chaos is happening is, did I miss God? But I had prayed about it. I had asked the Lord what we should do. He supernaturally provided, but immediately I start thinking this storm is my fault. I'm convinced though that the Lord let me go on the death highway just so I could share that really awesome story with you tonight. Not every storm is our fault, but this is what we hear not just from the enemy, but from people. When we're going through things, we start to think I've done something wrong. You know, so they had been on this ship for 14 days on this prison cruise. Finally, this ordeal was over, but listen to what happens. As soon as they get off the island, listen, it's just crazier. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. Aww. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, wouldn't you know, was driven out by the heat. It bit him on the hand. Come on. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand. And listen to what they said. A murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook it off, the, shook off the snake into the fire, and he was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. They're nice. But when they had waited a long time, they saw that he wasn't harmed. They changed their minds, and they decided that he was a god. You know, these people that want to give really generic, easy answers to tragedy are so immature. Guys, we, we can't understand the thoughts of God. And I think the more mature we are in Christ, really the more silent we become when someone is starting to suffer. It's only the immature that try to wrap it up and encase it in a little pill and give it to you to make you feel better. Those who have really gone through a storm know better to keep quiet because not every storm means that this person has done something wrong. You know, I love this. I read this actually in my quiet time this morning, so it's not on your screen, but it says Romans 11:33. How impossible is it for us to understand God's decisions or his ways for who can know his thoughts? So sometimes you just got to shake it off like that snake. Yes, this is happening, but I'm going to shake it off. I'll be fine. This storm is it's probably not my fault because storms are a part of life. Storms are a part of life. Listen to me. I don't know if you've heard the, we the weather forecast recently for life, but there's a storm brewing. If you're not currently in a storm, you're probably coming out of one or either you're going into one. Storms are a part of life. And let me just blow your mind a little bit further. Sometimes the Lord himself leads you into a storm. It's the Lord who asks you to get on a boat that's a prison cruise. It's the Lord's dealings. If you don't believe me, listen to this in Mark chapter 4. This is Jesus. As the evening came, Jesus said into, to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So whose idea was this? Come on, answer me, please. I know it's late, but whose idea was this? So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. I love that. Jesus can't get away from these people. Like they're following other boats. 
But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we are going to drown? You know, this is before Google weather. Okay, there were no crazy meteorologists that you turn on the, the, the weather channel. The gale force winds are surely blowing, hunker down and stay inside. None of that was going on. There was no Siri. They, the only one, as a matter of fact, who knew the storm was coming was the one who asked him to get on the boat. He knew it was coming and he asked them to get on the boat. And what is he doing? So funny. He's sleeping. And this question goes through their heads, and I think some of you are asking yourself this, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care about this storm that I am going through, that I feel punished for doing the right thing? Don't you care why are you asleep? But see, I think we fail to understand that God's ways are higher than our ways, that sometimes God leads us into the storm. Listen to what God told Saul when God saved him. Acts chapter 9, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and kings. That's pretty beautiful. He's going to be apostle. But listen to this, and I will show him what? How much he must suffer for my namesake. I'm leading him into a storm. I'm doing something. In 1 Peter 4, 1, it says this, so then Christ, since Christ has suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had, and what? Be ready to suffer Two, for if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. Be ready to suffer. Arm yourself to suffer. Do you know what punch takes you down? The one you're not expecting. There's something about arming your, yourself to suffer, having your fight stance ready. If I think, if I go into life thinking that, that I'll be fine as long as I'm listening to the Lord, I'm never going to have hard times, I'm never going to go, I'm going to foster these kids, they're going to love me and call me mama and massage my feet and nothing is going to be wrong, I'm going to adopt all these babies and everything's going to be perfect. If that's what we go into it, listen, we are going to take a blow and it's going to knock us down. But when we've armed ourselves to suffer, when we understand that storms are a natural part of life, that they build our endurance, like those storms build the endurance of the tree, that God wants to arm us to suffer. He wants to enable us to stand on mountain heights, to stand in any storm. Listen to me, this idea in Christianity that God won't ask us to do things we won't, don't want to do is not biblical. Look at Hosea. Hosea, hey man, why don't you go marry a prostitute? That sounds like a great idea. Hey Ezekiel, why don't you cook your food over poo poo? Okay. These are actual things. Hey Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I've called you since before you were ever even born. Oh yeah, awesome. What have you come to suffer? And he did. Jeremiah so much said, I wish I wasn't even born. Listen. God calls us to go through things. As a matter of fact, from Genesis to Revelation, you see the suffering of God's saints because he's purifying us. He's making us strong. He's calling us into the storm. But listen, you can stand through any storm if it's a storm that the Lord's called you into. So I want to give you just a few anchors to help you stand through any storm. Are you with me? I'm just going to give you five, and I'm going to go quick because I know you're tired. Anchors to help you stand through any storm. You know, this is interesting. Put this up. They actually found four anchors. How many anchors were cut from Paul's boat? Four. And on the island of Malta, just in a place where two seas meet, where there's a, there's a um, sandbar there, and the exact description of this, in the 1960s, they found four anchors, these four anchors, that date back to the Roman era. Isn't that interesting? It, most most uh, archaeologists believe these were the four anchors of this story. So I'm going to give you five anchors to help you stand. I tried to make it four to make it fit with that, but it just didn't work, okay? So I'm going to give you four anchors and a bonus. Number one, have the right people in your boat. Listen to God over the experts. Have the right people in your boat. I love Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Don't you think that the sailors were very grateful that Paul was in that boat? That the man of God was in that boat? And if they would have listened to him, even over the experts, they would have never gotten to that mess to begin with. Some of you have the wrong people in your boat. You're hearing the wrong voices like Pastor Maria was saying. Their voices don't matter. They didn't care to speak up until now you have trouble. Oh, I don't even know why you did that anyway. 
I think you should just leave him. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I don't think God would want you to be with him. I don't think God would want you to stand for that marriage. God would want you happy. Get that girl out that boat. You know, Jesus had to rebuke his friends for coddling him. He called Peter Satan because Satan was going to co- because Peter was trying to coddle him right out of the will of God. Jesus says, I'm going to go to the cross and suffer. And Peter said, far be it from you. And he said, get behind me, Satan. You're not after God's interest, but man's. Listen, have friends around you that are willing to stand with you instead of discouraging you to abandon ship. They say, no, girl, we're going to go through this. God's called you through it. I'm going to help you. I'll get in this boat with you. And listen, you got to ask the right people for wisdom. When you need a diet and exercise plan, you're not going to find that at the employee at Dunkin' Donuts. Some of you are asking for marital advice from people whose marriages are falling apart. You're getting opinions from all the wrong people. These experts are not experts. If they're not counseling you according to the word of God, then stop listening to their advice. It's harmful. And listen to me, in the storm, you can't abandon the ship. I love that that Paul says, whatever you do, if you jump out of this boat, you're going to die. You're not going to make it. You think that bailing's the easy way. I'm telling you, there's worse things coming if you stop the will of God. If you jump ship, you're going to regret it. Don't jump ship. Get the right people speaking into you. They will hold up your arms like Aaron and her. They would hold up the arms when they're tired so that you could fulfill the word of God. People that are willing to say, no, girl, I know it's hard to keep obeying God, but I'm going to hold, I'm going to help you. I'm going to come alongside. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to be your Aaron and her. I'm going to help you hold on to the word of God because you're not winning this battle if your hands go down. So I'm going to be the Aaron and her holding your arms up. Have the right people around you. The second one, second anchor is eat spiritually. You're going to die. Listen, if you're in a storm tonight, you got to eat actually more spiritually than you normally do. When you're going through something, you can't try to get your spiritual food, your spiritual manna once a week at church. You're not going to survive. You need to be feasting in the time of a storm. You need to be on your face reading and seeking God for yourself, not getting a regurgitated word from somebody else, but going to the source straight yourself. God wants to walk through the storm with you and counsel you through it. I love this verse in 1 Kings. This is Elijah it says this, go ahead and go to it. It says, and the angel of the Lord came again and touched Elijah. And he said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. And go to the next verse. It says, so he got up and he ate and he drank and the food gave him enough strength to travel for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai on the mountain of God. God wants, and I love that. That's, what you're, that's why you're here. You're eating spiritually and God's giving you a feast. And some of you, Listen, you're getting so full, you need to write that down because you're getting ready to go through something. God's giving you the answers to a test that you haven't gone through yet. You know, when I read something that sticks out to me in Scripture and I don't know what it means, I don't just throw it away. I log it. And a lot of times because I log my journal and I see Scriptures, then when a situation comes across my path that I don't know the answer to and I ask God about it, I'll go back and look through my journal and I'll realize that, man, there was a theme. The past, Two weeks ago there was this theme about waiting. God was telling me to wait before I even got the test. If that I listen, if I'll go to him, he will feed me and enable me to endure. So you've got to eat something, girl. Turn to your neighbor and say, eat something, girl. Turn to her and say, I tried to, but they don't let you bring food into the clay center. Although I know some of you have been snacking, sneaking stuff in your... I saw you, those Cheez-Its. Number three, are you getting something out of this? Are you still with me? Say, okay. Number three, you got to get rid of excess weight. You got to get rid of excess weight. You know they started just dumping stuff out of the boat. Listen to Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Listen, when you go through a storm, the purpose a lot of times of these storms is to make you drop things that are toxic for you. That you know you carry that, that relationship you're not supposed to be in into this storm, you're going to die. You can't, you can't afford to carry this person anymore into the storm. You can't afford to carry this sin. you got to start throwing all this excess weight, especially the sin that so easily besets us. As you go through this storm, it's meant to purify you, to get rid of all that junk that doesn't need to be in the boat with you. So this is both spiritual with sin, but listen, practically some of you are wearing excess weight that God has not put on you, but other people have put on you. 
If you're taking care of your elderly parents, listen. If you're caring for your elderly parents, you might not always be able to keep the grandkids every day also. Just be practical for a second. You may have to say no to cooking every single meal for everybody or wearing everybody's expectation. You're going through a season of a storm. You have a sick loved one that you're caring for. Listen, you can say no to things. As you go through the storm, you can pick back that, you can pick it back up after that season is over. Listen, stop putting pressure on yourself that Jesus hasn't put on you. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm not telling you don't serve through a storm, but I'm saying you have to be careful about what you're serving, the way that you're serving. Careful about what weight that you are wearing during a storm. You don't want to weigh yourself down because you may not make it through it with this excess weight. And number four, pray for daylight and receive peace in the midst of the storm. Pray for daylight and receive peace in the midst of the storm. You know, what's beautiful is that you're not standing in this storm alone. That you might be in a storm, but you're not standing in the storm alone. Psalm 121 says this, the Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you. Don't you love that? He's not just asking you to stand, but he's standing with you. As your protective shade, he stands with you. Now, remember the story I told you about how Jesus led the disciples into the boat, right? He led them into the storm. They said, Jesus, don't you care? Listen to what happens after this in Mark chapter 4. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, silence, be still. Like a boss, I mean, just silence. There was no yelling, rebuking, don't you know who I am? No, silence. I, like, I remember Mercy's little seat. I could just picture my... <clears throat> What is going on? I was trying to take a nap. <sighs> Silence. Be still. Peace. Put him back to sleep. You know. Just the authority. Silence. Be still. But listen to this. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. You know, one translation says, oh, Peter, you of little faith. But when I look at Peter, at least Peter had the courage to go wake Jesus up. Like all the other disciples are like, oh, we're going to die. I'm going to die single. I didn't even get married yet. You know, like Peter at least had the little faith to go down in the boat and to pray. Say, Jesus, get up. Don't you care? That's little faith. I heard uh, one of my Bible college professors ask his students, if that's little faith waking him up, what would have been great faith? How could Peter have had great faith in the midst of this storm? And one of his students said, well, great faith would have been to stand on the boat himself, not even wake Jesus up and say, peace, be still. He said, nope, I think that would be moderate faith. What would be great faith is if he would have just stayed on the storm and endured it in the boat, knowing Jesus is there, he can calm it if he wants to. But maybe he's called me to go through it. You know, I was praying for you guys just in the, the months previous and about four weeks ago, I felt like the Lord gave me a, a word of knowledge, a prophetic word for tonight, for right now. And I felt like the Lord said, I want to pour out a miracle of peace on my daughters to all who will receive it. That the miracle will not be delivering them from the storm. Some of them have come in wanting me to save and calm the storm, and that's not what I want to do. You remember Elijah? He was looking for God. He was stressed out. He was looking for God. He was crying out for God. And it said there was an earthquake and there was a fire, but God was not in the earthquake. God was not in the fire. What was God in? The still, small voice. Listen, God is in the peace. Jesus said, the kind of peace I give you is not like the world gives you. The world will give you a pill, but Jesus will give you true peace. It's not like you, can, you can't have access to that in the world. There is a peace a supernatural peace that God wants to give you in the midst of the storm, and it is a miracle. I have tangibly felt the peace of God in the midst of chaos, and listen, it is nothing short of a miracle, but peace is a gift, and you have to receive it. We're going to do something I've never done before. I asked Harvest to come up, and I want her to sing this song. I ain't done with the message, so y'all don't close up shop. But I want to take a break just a second for you to receive in the middle of this message the peace of God if you want it. How many of you want that peace? It's a gift. Jesus said, I have a peace that I'm offering. It's not as the world gives. I want you to close your eyes and as she begins to sing this, I want you to receive peace over your situation. God wants to give a wave of supernatural, miraculous peace in Jesus' name. 
become weary and tired, worn out from life. And step out of the shadows and walk into light. And come sinner, saint, slave man or free. And bring blessings and offerings, then you shall see. Bring blessings and offerings, then you shall see. anchor I want to give you. I love the words of this song. I think that song beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. But it says there's a peace that's calling you what? Home. It brings me to the last anchor is to realize where this ship is headed. That eternity is on the horizon. That every single storm that we go through is temporary. It's got an expiration date on it. Every single storm has an allotted end. But we're headed home. You know, when we have an eternal perspective, when we're not looking at the here and now, but we're seeing with eyes of faith that heaven is on the other shore, it enables us to stand on mountain heights. It enables us to endure regardless of what the tragedy might be, regardless of what the storm that is coming might be, we can endure. I love this scripture in Acts 21. This is Paul. You know, he knew that he was going into this storm. Ultimately, 
Do you know where this ship, this ship took Paul? Took him home. Wasn't long after this, Paul did stand trial and he was martyred for his faith. That ship took him all the way home. But listen to what Paul said in Acts 21, verse 13. But he said, why all this weeping? God, people were crying because he knew he was going to die. You are breaking my heart. I am, not ready, I am ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. I'm not running from the storm. When it was clear that we could, couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. Now listen to this verse. Where did Paul get that tenacity? It's from Jesus. John 18, 4 says this, Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him and what did he do? He knew he would go to the cross and he still said yes. He fully realized the storm that was approaching that God was calling him into and he stepped forward. Now you remember that verse that we've read. This will be the third time I've read at this conference. It says this, rise and stand on your feet. Paul, I have appeared to you for this purpose to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen to me and to those in which I will appear to you, a witness. Do you know what this word witness means? The, little, the literal word in the Greek is this. Go ahead. Martis, where we get the word martyr. Those who after his example have proved their strength and genuineness of their faith in Christ by undergoing a violent death. When it says in Acts, the spirit of God will come upon you and give you power to be my witnesses. Yes, hurrah, but that word is martyr. I will give you power. I will arm you to suffer. I will arm you to go through things. I will arm you with the strength to suffer, to brace yourself and to go through what I'm calling you into. But listen, I won't leave you. I'm standing in the storm and know that on the edge of this horizon is eternity. This is not all there is, folks. There is more than the here and now. And that thought is why I can stand. Because from the first breath of my life, He's held me. Until the very last breath that comes out of this body, let it not be said of me that I withheld anything from Him. Whatever He says, be it praise, be it sacrifice, I'll say yes. Fully understanding the cost. Let me tell you something. When the Lord gave us the vision for Safe Haven two years ago, the, dream, the demonic dreams that begin to happen, the threats from the enemy, we knew even coming to Charleston, the spiritual opposition that was against us, we knew we were stepping right in the middle of a mess of a storm. We did not go into this ignorant. We braced ourselves, but listen, fully armed with that knowledge, we step forward. We say yes, because he's with us. And because what we see here and now, these trials, these temporary things, they're going to fade. They're going to die out. Listen, listen, to, listen to this in Acts. Paul says this, and I, I am bound by the Spirit. Don't try to talk me out of this. I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But listen to this, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for what? For finishing the work. It's worth nothing if I bail out of this ship. It's worth nothing unless I finish the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And listen to how beautiful this is. It says, when he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them and they all cried as they embraced him and kissed him goodbye. They were sad most of all because he said that he would never see them again. He knew he was gonna die. Then they escorted him down to the ship. He stepped on that boat fully aware of the ramifications of that decision step forward into the storm and what I'm asking you is are you willing to stand if it costs you everything are you willing to stand and obey and say yes if it costs you everything now we gave you a mirror when you came in could you pull that mirror out come on just take a second and find that mirror
I want you to open it up for a minute. I want you to look at your beautiful self. And we didn't just give it to you to give you a gift. This is a purpose in this. A couple weeks ago, I was standing in my living room. There's this big mirror on my wall. And I happened to look at my mirror, okay? And I look at my mirror and I was like, oh, oh gosh. Like, you know, can I pull it back? If I tape back here, will that hold this, this turkey stuff back? You know, like, uh, I'm getting older. I can see it. I can see the dark spots. I see it. And as clear as a bell, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me baby that skin's gonna rot in the ground every wrinkle is one day closer to you see me face to face every age spot is just testifying now we see dimly but then face to face once you look at yourself in the mirror touch your face just a second not to be morbid but what you're touching right now will be in the ground. This body that you're touching, and if you heard the new statistics out by the CDC, but 100% of humans die. This is temporary. These trials are temporary. All this is temporary. Now we see dimly. Listen to me. But then... face to face let it not be said of me I withheld anything from you let me fight the good fight let me finish the race what is God asking you to do he's asking you to do whatever he asks you to do even if it's walk into a storm he promises to be there with you but listen to me this is not all there is we will see him and we will be like him May the Lamb receive the reward of His suffering starting in me. Amen. Would you stand to me? Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and share. For more content, to connect with us, or if you'd like to support this ministry by giving, visit our website, iHeartChurch.online. We love you and have a great day.